we're really excited to have Christina McNeil with us talking all about how she's developed her true style and artistic voice. She is a photographer out in the San Francisco area and has really honed in on her unique style. Yes. For those of you that don't know, Christina has been in the business a while and has seen the wedding industry from a lot of different angles. So she brings a really great perspective today from both her art background to also being an editor at a prominent wedding blog to also now building her wedding photography business alongside that blog, as well as now um, just really killing it across the board. Mm -hmm. If you saw that little Madonna in shoot that she did, then you know exactly kind of the style that she's going for. And she's going to help you determine how to take risks in your business and to find your own style. Yes. When we think about dare to develop, we think about daring and taking risks in your business. And Christina is just such a great example of that from so many risks she's going to talk about in the episode that she's taken just throughout her career and her life as well. And we cannot just wait to dive in more and hear about her risks and how you can translate that into your business. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dare to Develop, a podcast for creatives. I'm Christine Herman. And I'm Ashley Baumgartner. And we are two hybrid wedding photographers that dub ourselves work wives. With a passion for developing community and daring to take risks in business and art, we want to bring you along on a journey. The journey of artists, makers, business professionals, and more who want to level up their businesses by daring greatly and developing community. So let's get started. Today on Dare to Develop, we're so excited to have Christina McNeil with us. We are going to be chatting all about developing your true style and artistic voice. Thanks so much for being here with us, Christina. Thanks for having me, ladies. I'm so happy to be here. So before diving into everything, we'd love to learn about a little about you, your business, all the stuff that brought you kind of to photography. Oh, well, that's a, like a deep question. <laughs> I mean, I started photography in high school, actually, even before high school, I always went to like performing arts schools when I was in middle school and elementary school. So I was always kind of an artistic kind of kid, always dabbling with, I don't know, theater, dance, every, everything, painting, yeah. ceramics. I really liked it in high school. And then I just had a really cool high school teacher that saw something in me that no one else did. And so I was like, there's no way you could be a photographer for, you know, a job and have that be a career and things kind of changed for me. And I just kind of took a risk and then moved to San Francisco when I was 19 and went to art school and then just pursued commercial photography. I didn't want to be a wedding photographer. The, the long, to make a long story long, my friend Tori says that I my high school photography teacher was like, hey, this wedding photographer is hiring. You should go show your portfolio to him and see if you can get a job. And so I literally, and at that time I was working at Starbucks, I was making really good money as a shift supervisor at 18 years old. And so I um, made myself an appointment. I basically this was like 2001, made myself an appointment, proceeded to give myself an interview. And then they didn't offer me a job. They said I could work for them for free as an internal summer. And I was like, mm, I'm not going to work for you for free when I work for Starbucks and make all this money. And this was like my 18 year old mind. Yeah. And mind you, like I, when 
I did my first wedding when I was 18 years old. It was a coworker at Starbucks wedding on the beach in Del Mar. And I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I just shot what I thought was supposed to be shot, you know, like including holding like the bride, the groomsman holding the bride up. Kind of, like, really cheesy yeah. 80s, 90 photos. So anyway, the, the, the fake interview that I did or whatever I created for myself. And I was like, so disappointed. I was like, they didn't even hire me. They didn't even offer me a job. Like, this is so stupid. And I like cried to my mom about it. And coincidentally, she worked right across the street from there. And so we went online and just started Googling art schools. And that's kind of how I found San Francisco, the Academy of Art. But one thing I did, I don't know how, like how I was so smart at 18 to ask this question, but I did ask the photographer, I was like, how did you get to where you are? What did you do to get to do what you're doing. And he was like, I went to Brooks. And what's interesting is that there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of photographers that have gone to Brooks um, and Brooks would always go to my high school classes. So I remembered them and like, they wanted, I, you know, I, I applied to Brooks and was going to go there. And then when I found San Francisco, I'm like, no, this is where I'm going. So that's how that happened. And then as far as just where I've started and where I've come, I would say it's just a matter of I don't know. I, I didn't want to be a wedding photographer because I thought it was cheesy. I, I really wanted to be Annie Leibovitz or like her. I really wanted to shoot for Rolling Stone magazine. I really wanted to shoot bands. And I did do that. I shot a lot of album covers. It was really, really fun. And I, you know, I think why I was so gravitated towards bands is because they were, there's like so many stories, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like people, like a little seedier life or like they have interesting things going on. And so I'm not like creating something. I'm actually documenting what's real. And so I would say I didn't know in college exactly what I was going to do, but weddings kept coming to me. It just fell in my lap Hmm. all the time. And so I pursued it (laughs) and here I am. Did you feel like, I know I've heard from other people before that there's kind of a stigma against wedding photography in art school. Like it's kind of looked down upon or just not as good as becoming, you know, whether that's an art director or working for a magazine, which I know you've done all across the board. You've done a lot of these things, but yeah, I mean, yeah, hundred percent in my college. Like if you were ever known as a wedding photographer, you were looked down upon. It was bottom of the barrel. It's like doing event photography. It's like, just not, not what you spent a hundred K on an education for was to be a what you know, a wedding photographer. And so, you know, the other, the other part to that too, was that they never, they didn't want to teach you to be one of those photographers that is jack of all trades photographer. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't be like, oh, I'm a car photographer. I'm a wedding photographer. I'm a beauty product photographer. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you needed to narrow your focus. And so that was something ingrained in me for sure. But I really like I ha- I I had a different name. I didn't want to I didn't want to taint my name until I really knew I wanted to pursue this because I just wasn't sure. So, yeah. Was there a moment when you knew exactly like I'm going to take a jump and just pursue this completely? I mean, there were a couple. I second shot a lot between like 2005 and even for a while, I mean, I started second shooting in 2005 
And so I just kind of learned the ropes that way, but I had a wedding with a really cool client in San Francisco. I think it was 2009 and they, they were like a super cool hipster couple Mm -hmm. and they, and this was before their social media. So they were just like, you know, super popular in the hipster scene in the city. And they had this fashion shop and they were getting married at the great American music hall, which was so cool. And really fun. And they had all these artist friends that were helping them do design things and whatever. And the bride knew that I didn't really like to do weddings at that time. And she had, how I knew her was I had worked for a magazine prior to that. And one of the creative art directors from that magazine referred me. And so I ended up shooting like their whole website stuff, Mm -hmm. like their products and all the fashion that they were selling on their website. So we developed a relationship. Anyway, that's how I was connected to her. And so anyway, she's like, well, I really need a wedding photographer and I really like working with you. So why don't we just pretend you're not a wedding photographer? And I was like, okay. She's like, what's your favorite magazine? And I was like, at the time it was nylon. Right. And I was like, well, nylon's pretty cool or Vogue, you know, like either or. And she goes, okay, well, why don't you pretend you're shooting for Vogue or Nylon, a 10 page spread. And that's it. Don't shoot my wedding. Like you think you need to shoot a wedding. I just want you to come and shoot it. Like it's a 10 page story for one of these magazines. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do that. And I did. And I kind of just hired a team. Like I invested in hiring a third shooter, which is something I 2009 I never did Mm -hmm. like a hundred person wedding you know but I just wanted like full coverage so that the other photographers were there to kind of like shoot what was expected and I could like do the stuff that I thought was cool for a 10 page spread and anyway after that wedding I think it just kind of clicked in my head like this is really cool like I am an art director here I'm the creative it's like shooting an editorial you know the difference between in the commercial world of shooting an editorial versus an ad is that you don't really have as much creative control doing advertising work. That's why a lot of advertising photographers like to do editorial because they have a little bit more creative control. There's just no money there, mm-hmm. less money. You know what I mean? So with weddings to me, it's like a win-win because people find me and want something different and hire me because it is a little unexpected and a little different. I love that. And I know, especially with your latest shoot, your Madonna in shoot, which we love. And I used to live in slow. So we'll definitely talk about that at some point, but you know, you've really developed this style. That's very unique to you. And, um, hearing the story of your 2009 wedding, do you feel like throughout your wedding career, you've always kind of had that unique artistic voice come through your work or were there kind of ebbs and flows of, you know, kind of bowing to what the industry wants versus doing your own thing, beating to your own drum? <laughs> no, I never was. Um, I I think that you have to learn and make mistakes and figure it out. And I, I mean, some people just start at the top, right? I'm not one of those people. I worked from the bottom up and I kind of had to figure out where my positioning was. It's definitely easy to start emulating what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. you know, and just go, okay, well, this is what, you know, society wants. So I, I can kind of like mold to that a little bit. And I think, I think that's happened a lot. Like if you look at like the, the word fine art photography, mm-hmm. you know, like it's so easy to have like those perfect curated moments, but 
to me, like I never kind of fit into that mold because I just felt like I was a little bit different. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Totally. So when, because you talked about, you've always felt a little different, but even with the pressures of what the wedding industry is wanting, what planners are wanting and like expecting of their, of their photographers, how it's kind of helped you gain that confidence into going in and be like, this is how I work. This is the hours I need to ensure that I'm getting what I need for my clients. Oh my God. It's just, it's working a lot and working hard and taking risks and pushing boundaries at every time and seeing what you can get, get away with and seeing what you can ask and seeing what's appropriate. You know, I think that with planners expectations, you know, you have two clients, your client is the client and then your client is the planner and you want to make everybody happy. It's not Mm -hmm. even just the planner too. It's all the other vendors you want to shoot for them as well. But for me, I just think it's just having honest conversations with how I work and the things that I need in order to do my job in the best way, you know? And I think that for me, what I've learned is that I just tell clients, I need a cushion of time, period. I need more time. Like I can't be a factory. I can't just turn on like that. You guys have to like, there's gotta be some sort of story happening. Of course, like I have a a heavy hand in the timeline and I try and do the best I can with the planner, but I always tell people it's like, I don't want to work off a shot list. It's going to feel robotic. It's going to feel like a photo shoot the whole time. If we're just going from one scene to the next, what happened if we had just extra time to breathe? What happened if we had extra time to just like soak in what's actually happening? That's when all those like amazing organic moments that happen, happen that's what they're hiring me for. So I don't know. I think that it just takes time to kind of get confident with appeasing the planner and the client at the same time. But I do think that the more that I was more vocal with my needs and putting my foot down in obviously a respectful way, the more people respected me, Mm -hmm. you know, Like if I just say yes, when it's not realistic to do something, who's going to lose? It's me and everybody else. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's kind of, that's, I hope that helps. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, it's definitely a wheel, no matter how you spin it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so whether you spin it of I'll do whatever you want, then you're stuck in a wheel of I'll do whatever you want or set boundaries. And then we're stuck in a great, like good things will unfold because we set boundaries. So I mean, I, I know this probably is said so by so many people so many times, but you know, one thing you do is you say yes to the client and you do it their way. And then you're like, well, we'll do it your way. And then we'll do it my way. And most of the time, guess what? They like the way that I did it instead of what they were trying to like dictate on me. If, you know, instead of putting, you know, I don't want to be put in a box, obviously within reason, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're the you're the artist, and they're hiring you for your art. So they have to let go of a little bit of control and let you do what works best for you. And I think it's different for everybody. But yeah, I really like the idea of having that cushion of time because we do a lot of times go from first look to to yeah. with everyone to to family, and then you get married, and then there's this, and there's always something happening. But we don't let things just naturally unfold. Let people kind of live in that moment. So I think that's super super interesting and what people should be thinking about. Definitely. I just, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I've been (laughs) in a hole for the last, what, year and a half. Like we're not, (laughs) much. 
right? So I don't know what people are doing, but what I've noticed, even with my COVID weddings, the smaller weddings is that, you know, they went from a 250 person wedding with two photographers down to just me and 30 people, but we still have this allotted amount of time. Mm -hmm. And what I learned in that amount of time was, oh my God, there's so many more stories that are happening that aren't shot because we're just kind of going through the motions. And like, I don't want every wedding to feel like that. Obviously there's like things that are the same, right? but I also like the, the spontaneity a little, you know, what happens in between. Uh, and I just, I don't know. I don't think that eight hour weddings is enough anymore. I need more time. I think our expectations of what we need to deliver is a little bit higher, you know, especially like details for planners, that kind of a thing. For me personally, like I love shooting pretty things. I love shooting details, but I really want my clients to care only like 10% about that stuff, you know, and it's hard. It's hard when you have Pinterest. It's hard when you have Instagram. It's hard when you have all these pretty weddings, but even like when I share on Instagram, like I'm really trying hard to share more stories and share more like authentic moments that are happening instead of the the pretty things. And so something I know we haven't talked about yet, but is you've seen your fair share of pretty on the other side of the industry, having worked with Snippet and Ink blog. Can you talk a little bit about your journey there and then how that's impacted you as a wedding photographer? Yeah, that, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, some pe- a lot of people knew I worked there and a lot of people didn't know I worked there. So I started working at Snippet and Ink in 2013. Just, you know, before I worked at Snippet and Ink, I was still, this is like, you know, 2009 was when I went and did that wedding, right? Where I'm like, oh, maybe I do want to do weddings. 2010, I went to Jose Villa's workshop. And this is coming, I went to his workshop coming off of like, I already went to art school. I don't need you to teach me to be a photographer. I didn't even know who Jose Villa was in 2010. I honestly had no idea. And I had no expectations. I was like, oh, Mexico, Guadalajara. I've never been there. This should be cool. And so it was kind of at that same time. This is like 2010, end of 2010. So now we're in 2011 where I'm like, okay, I'm going to start doing this. I also, because I wasn't a full-fledged wedding photographer, obviously, I was a studio manager for advertising photographers. So that was because that's what I went to school for. And so I was working on set, you know, I, you know, one of the photographers I worked for did a lot of boring HP printers and like I had no (laughs) desire to like shoot, you know, printers with like 10 lights and plating and all that. It just did. I could care less about it. And so I'm like, (laughs) What? I didn't fill your cup. Uh, <laughs> didn't didn't tell like, you a story at all. <laughs> this is so boring. It's so funny. I know this is a side story and we'll go back to Stephen and Ink, but I was, I was interning in college for a company that did the catalog work for Mervyn's. If you're for Mervyn's, yes. you know, it's like Kohl's or whatever. Because San Francisco is a catalog town. It's not really a fashion town at all. Um, And so I remember like I would show my cool portfolio just from being fresh out of college. And one of the photographers is like, look it, I shot this awesome toaster. (laughs) (laughs) 
Wow. You know, and, and then I was just like, this isn't what I love. I don't love this. I don't love this either. But anyway, so with Catherine, I had gone out to lunch with her, I don't know, 2012. And she kind of planted a little seed and said, I'm looking for some help. And then a couple months later, I just wrote to her and I said, I don't know what kind of help you're looking for, but this is who I am. This is what I've done. This is my portfolio. Here's my resume of things I've worked on. I just want to learn anything I can learn. And she hired me. And so I started in 2013 and it just, I loved it. It was so exciting, but that's also when like blogs were like at their height, Mm. right? It was super fun. Like Pinterest was like just becoming this thing, you know, Instagram wasn't even around yet. And blogs were just like the thing everyone was addicted to. They were like refreshing blogs as much as they're refreshing Instagram. So anyway, I worked there for five years. I built myself up to basically running running snippet inning solo for probably the past, the last two years that it was around. So my official title was managing editor, which meant I directed everybody. I directed the real weddings editor. One thing that I was really particular about just because I never wanted to come off as there was favoritism or anything. And this is why, like, I always kept my last name off of it. Only people that knew, knew I worked there, but I didn't blast it publicly. And the reason why was because I was building my own stuff and I didn't want people to think that I was getting picked up and snippet and ink just because I worked a snippet and ink. Mm -hmm. I never wanted to feel that way. And so I actually never chose any of the real weddings that were accepted on the blog. Any of them. Catherine always did. I was the filter, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have the final yes or no's to those, which was which was great. It gave me a little bit of buffer so that that didn't happen. If any of my weddings were put through, I wouldn't put my name on there. (laughs) So (laughs) I actually don't, the way that we, our process was, I never put anyone's name on it. I just sent her a link and said, here's the photos, you know, or whatever. Like, this is why I think it might, might be cool. Something like that. Or here's a story because if it's lacking details and obviously a story is really great, mm-hmm. but going back to your question, I mean, working at Snippet and Ink taught me so much. I think that my knowledge of flowers is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, you know, I made it, I made it a silly goal of mine just to kind of like know them. And I was in a group the other day and someone was saying something like, I think it was it was in e3 actually and they were saying something like how do you know like budget flowers from like fancy flowers and i was like i don't even know how to begin with this <laughs> like well lily of the valley is like the most expensive so anyway so that was one thing but i think too as far as uh, it's so crazy but And I even did this before I worked at Snippet and Ink. I had published a lot of my work on other blogs, like Style Me Pretty, 100 Layer Cake, like published my work on all of those blogs, really put myself out there. I got to know the industry. I knew what blogs were doing before I even worked at Snippet and Ink. I had been on Snippet and Ink before I even worked at Snippet and Ink. So it was just kind of immersing myself in the wedding world, like head first, getting to know everybody. I, you know, at the time between 2013 and 2018, I kind of like had a pulse on who everyone was in the country, Mm -hmm. you know, not kidding. Like regionally, I could tell you the top planners, floral designers, musicians, 
photographers, videographers in any part of the region. And I just kind of knew that I knew all the venues. And so that was helpful, I think, in my just kind of knowing. And for anyone that's listening right now, like you can do the same thing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you should know the top venues and you should kind of have a gauge and understanding of like what they charge and like the weddings that they produce and kind of know the difference between, you know, a super ultra luxury, like event vendor versus someone that's maybe a little bit more budget. You should kind of know the difference. So anyway, stipending taught me that. It also taught me, you know, just looking through a lot of like top wedding photographers, what they're submitting and, you know, what they're shooting and what they're seeing and kind of getting a pulse for that. It was hard. It was actually kind of hard position to be in. A lot of people didn't envy it because I'm like in the wedding world and then I'm seeing all this work. And there were definitely times where there would be weddings that I had bid on that I didn't get that I was publishing. And I'm like, you know, you just compartmentalize those things. No big deal. You know what I mean? Like you Mm -hmm. just, you just do what you do. But I think, I think the biggest thing other than just being a better writer, I think Catherine taught me a lot about writing, which was great. It's just like giving a shit about weddings and why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. And like our tagline was creating meaningful weddings. You know, we were in a way, I think that Snippet and Ink, although it's not around anymore, like we were doing something so different than the other blogs were doing. We cared about things that other blogs weren't really quite focusing on as much ceremonies and, you know, the why, the meaning behind a wedding. So, I mean, that's kind of ingrained in me as well. And it, it, I wouldn't say Snippet and Ink taught me how to shoot. It did not. But I think that caring about the meaning behind a marriage is really important so yeah yeah absolutely yeah all the things that have snowballed you into who you are today and everything I feel like a lot of blogs are moving toward that now of finding that meaning you guys are just ahead of the curve with that well I mean I mean Martha Stewart was the four founding father of all wedding content you know how many years ago and Catherine actually had like a Martha Bible like folders and folders and she she gave them to me like eight folders like stack like huge full of all of her favorite tear sheets from magazines from like 50 that are 15 years old mm-hmm. and she just that was her inspiration was Martha honestly. So it, it's not like she created, you know, she didn't create it. I just think the hype of like dressing a table and making it beautiful. I can't even believe I just said dressing. (laughs) (laughs) What am I, my grandma? Um, (laughs) but I, I just think like designing a table has like turned into something so much crazier than it was 20 years ago. Right. So of course, like things have changed, but the core of why Snippet and Ink was doing what it was doing was because of the meaningful traditions behind it. And so I've just kind of like, it's a part of me. It's really important to me when I'm doing my work. You know, I don't want a client to just come to me and say, ah, my goal is to be published in Martha Stewart. That's it. It's like, I don't want that to be your goal. That shouldn't be your goal for your wedding photos. You know what I mean? Your goal should really be like 
celebrating your marriage and spending time with your family, you know, yeah. and having fun, yeah. yeah, being around these people you're around probably yeah. together. Like. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I, you know, it's like, but when I think about my career, it's, it's, it's all these little snippets and I'm sure everyone can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Like everything you do in your life kind of like just catapults you to the next big thing, whatever that is. And now it's like, you know, I worked at magazines. I worked as a studio manager. I worked at Starbucks. I worked at a photo film lab. You know, I did all of these things and now this is what I'm doing. And I laser focused on exactly what I want. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think what you said about getting back to the heart of it is so important. And you were talking about earlier, like it's not an eight hour photo shoot, you know, we're not just going one thing to the next on the call sheet. So how, how did you kind of break that mold or, you know, what tips do you have for photographers who are trying to break that mold of like, you know, even some planners have that in their mind, right? The photographer is there to capture first look and then wedding party and then family and then ceremony, you know, what advice do you have to kind of get more into that photojournalistic mindset and away from like, this is your list of things you need to be shooting? Yeah. I mean, I definitely, obviously there's going to be those things we have to hit, right? First look, if it happens, ceremony, family photos, cocktail hour, uh, you know, cake cutting, special dances, first dance, like that you have to get those moments, right? I just think the biggest thing is communication with your clients and expectations from the get-go. If you're not laying down the expectations and the planner's not laying down the right expectations, then it's going to be like a sprint and you're going to be out of breath the whole time. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be that way. So I would just say it's, it's just setting up your boundaries and your expectations a lot sooner and just saying like, I need this. You know, I was just talking to a client the other day and, and they were telling me when their sunset was sunset, like say wedding ceremony and then sunset, right? Like wedding ceremonies at five sunsets at six. What goes through your head automatically when you're thinking that as a photographer, you're like, well, the ceremony is going to be like 30 minutes at least. And then we're going to be in the dark for portraits of you too. Do you really want that? Do you want light? You know what I mean? It's like, something as simple as that is like being confident and being knowledgeable and like what you're doing is to say, well, I can, I can do what you want to do. It's just going to be in flash. These are the consequences of that. It's up to you. Sometimes you don't have control and you got to let go of that. You know what I mean? But within reason, like I'm going to push and really push (laughs) to get what I will get what I need to like do my job really well, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Try to educate them as much as you can, as much as they will allow your feedback to make sure they have a good day. But again, they are hiring us. So sometimes they can. Well, and I, I also think that, you know, I, of course you remember the time where it's like scary to like have these conversations with event planners, you know, like it's, it's sometimes it's scary, but I do think that there comes a point that people do respect you when you, you know, say, well, don't base my skill set off of somebody else's, Mm -hmm. you know, like for a first look, I don't need 45 minutes. I want like two, Mm -hmm. you know, cause it's so posed. It's so contrived that like, I don't, I know we have to do it, but 
you know, what comes after and yeah. not that moment. <laughs> right. And truly like it, when I look through my portfolio, there's not a single first look photo in my portfolio because it's a fake moment, you know, getting ready. I could care less about a dress hanging. Yeah. Why is that? We've been talking about that lately. <laughs> Why is that glamorized? Because somebody did it and it went wild on Pinterest. Now all these brides expect they have to have that dumb photo. And I did mm-hmm. say dumb, but you know, here's the thing. You're wearing the dress the whole day yeah why what's the <laughs> point you know unless of course yeah you're in France and you have this beautiful armoire and like yeah. <laughs> you know I get that but like just to do it to do it it's just it it's a random tree branch I know yeah. oh, hopefully yeah. we're past the random tree branch in a well, yeah me. and I just I just hope that people start realizing that they don't have to do what they think they have to do. I mean, that's kind of why I never wanted to do weddings in the first place because I thought that they were cheesy mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's cheesy, yeah. you know, but do no. I want 45 minutes of my bride getting in her dress? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, of course I do. Because that, those are the moments that's when yeah. I like the flutters and the sweat and the tears and the whatever, and the happiness, that's when that happens. You want you want space for that. So I don't know. I mean, everyone is going to create a wedding day the way that they need for whatever their skill set is or whatever they're most inspired by. For me, there's certain things that I care more about than, you know, than not. <laughs> Dress hanging, definitely not something. Not, not, not on the, the list. Uh, and we, we talked no. a little bit about the mental shot list, but for like other creatives trying to find their style and how to kind of interpret that onto the wedding day so they don't just go through the motions kind of do you have any like tips for them of how to try to figure that out I mean it is it's it is taking risks I think for sure what are some what are some risks that you're, you're thinking of Well, I mean, I'll give you an example. I remember I was doing this wedding in Atlanta and I had an awesome second shooter, Clarissa. She listens to this and she (laughs) remembers this, but it was, you know, we were were shooting the ceremony and she's helping me load film during the ceremony. And the kiss happened much faster than we anticipated. And the only thing she had loaded was a Holga. (laughs) And I was like, are you kidding me? Okay, here goes. Got one chance because there's no way that you can shoot multiple frames with the Holga that fast. Yeah. They're like, you know, doing you got a load. I got it. You know what I mean? But do you think that I normally would take that risk on a wedding day? I don't normally do. You know what I mean? I was kind of pushed in that position, but that's like a really great example of like, you know, trying other things. If you're still a little afraid, you know, spend the money and hire another shooter mm-hmm. to come in, you know, whatever, whatever you pay your second shooter, if it's, you know, you're bringing in a third shooter for 50 to $75 an hour have them come and do the expected stuff for you so that you can just dive in there and play. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just, it's like investing in yourself. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of a way to do that. One thing that comes up to mind too, is just like unrelated from weddings is when I, I really like this story because I think it's important. I, in college, I took fashion and beauty class and I, that was the year 
that digital was like becoming something. And before our whole school was all film, like we shot mostly Chrome. It was so expensive. We have to go to the lab, do snip tests every day. It was like nuts. I can't even believe this was my life in like the 2000s, but it was for college. And so I took fashion and beauty and I didn't do well in the class. And it was because I was shooting digital and I hated what I was shooting absolutely was just like uninspired by it. And so I got probably a C in that class, which was pretty disappointing in all honesty. (laughs) So the next semester I took fashion and beauty too. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do this again. Screw digital. I'm going to go back to film. I got my Hasselblad 500 CM, which if you guys don't know what that is, is a slower camera. You know, the mirrors flipped or whatever. I don't think it's the mirror, but whatever. It's flipped. So you have to really know how to use the camera. And so every week we would have to do some sort of story and then submit it to the class and the class print it out. And then we'd have a critique every week in class to talk about whatever. And peers would critique and then and then the teacher would. So I'd put my work up and I'd be actually like so scared and embarrassed by it because I'm like, I don't think it's good enough. Like it's out of focus or I didn't do this. I didn't do that. And, you know, same with wedding photography, how you can kind of like easily assimilate to the trends of how people are shooting, like fine art photography, for example, that was kind of the same thing in college. You know, you saw what the popular people were shooting and you kind of just kind of emulated that vibe. And so I would go, okay, cool. I nailed it. I did it. But people would look at my work and go, no, actually, this is your magic right here. No, you need to do more of this. And so I didn't know what my, I didn't know that about me. You know what I mean? I needed other people to help me figure that out. This was like early on in my career though. I mean, I wasn't even, it wasn't even a career when you're in college. So my point is, is that I would just, I just would say there's so much power in like community with groups or people that you trust, or even hiring a really good photo editor that's going to come in and like push you and really like tell you how it is instead of like, you know, sugarcoating it like, Oh, you're so good. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be told I'm good. I don't want to be told I'm great. I want you to tell me what's wrong so that I could do better, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I, I think that, I think it's just valuable to use your friends and your community for critiques in that way to -hmm. figure out your style for sure. Yeah. And I think this is a, a great example of my next question, but, and that's, you know, could be just your answer, but where do you feel like wedding photographers or just wedding creatives are really missing the mark on finding their own authentic voice and their own true style nowadays? I mean, it's just easy to like follow and fangirl over like your top photographer and try and emulate what they're doing, but that's only just doing you a disservice, you know, because you're not being your true authentic self. So yeah, I just think that there's people that just think something's really beautiful and they want to copy it. You know what I mean? But it, the mark missed is that you can see right through it. There's no feeling. If there's no feeling in the image, what is the point? Mm-hmm. Right. You have a person has to evoke feeling in some way. I mean, I'll give you an example of feeling when you're not shooting people. One of the things in still life class that they always taught us is that when you're shooting food or you're shooting like 
a table setting or something, you have to make it feel like a human was there, like a human was interacting with it. It can't be stale and posed and like, it has to feel organic in some way. And so I, you can relate that same adage to shooting or just any like beautiful image, you know? I mean, this is just my opinion though. Like you can take it, take it for a grain of salt. But I just think even like from Snippet and Ink editor's voice over here, it's like a lot of what people were missing was a feeling, you know? How do you feel like you kind of interpret that into your work trying to get the feeling? Cause I know everyone kind of has their poses and their guides kind of how they pose their couples is there anything that you kind of do to try to evoke more of that feeling I mean movement for me it's movement you know because sometimes it just depends on the couple some couples are on and some couples aren't you know what I mean and some some people need a little bit more help than others we've all had that before you know what I mean I'm sure but it's just kind of I don't know, tapping into their energy and kind of feeling the vibe. And I do think movement kind of helps, you know, just whatever it is. I know like taking a walk, whatever, but even changing locations changes the vibe, putting a drink in someone's hand. You know what I mean? Like, what, you know, what are we trying to do? And if it's not working, stop, stop wasting your film, stop wasting your energy, you know, change the situation and grab them again later, you know? when the vibe changes a little bit. Mm -hmm. I love that. So, you know, we talked a lot about getting stuck in the rut of shooting the same thing and not, you know, not finding your artistic voice. But I think there's a lot of people that are shooting the safe stuff and are shooting the risky stuff, but are still only sharing the, you know, the safe stuff on social, on their website. What tips do you have for kind of showing who you really are as an artist online, you know, as a, a, in your portfolio for couples, for planners, for anyone out there looking? Hmm, I mean, I think you share what you're really excited about Mm -hmm. and in the moment, you know, I tried to start a project earlier this year and I never did it where I was going to go through my whole portfolio of all time and just pick out images that I really loved that I want to share and just put it in a folder on my desktop and like post on Instagram. And I just, I just was intuitively not wanting to do the project. I got up until like maybe 2015 and haven't done any more years because I'm like, this isn't what, how I want to be on Instagram. Like I, I'm such an emotional person. And so I have to share my excitement, even when I'm writing something, even the post I wrote today took me a bit to even like write and, and, you know, try and be thoughtful about the story of like what I'm trying to say. So I would say as far as posting on social media, post only what you want, post only what you love Mm -hmm. and that you're excited about. If you post things just to post filler content, people see right through it. It does nothing but maybe make your Instagram page look pretty, but I mean, whatever, you know, I think we're kind of past those days anymore where we should be caring about the vanity metrics of like how many likes we get. One piece of advice I have is that I got from my awesome intuitive business coach, Erica Venegas from Blossom Coaching, if anyone's into that, but she was like, I want you to just talk to the 10 clients that you want this year. That's it. 
those that's who you're talking to you're not talking to anybody else you're not trying to pump up a planner or show off to your peers or whatever you're not trying to get a thousand likes on a photo you are literally looking for your clients and you're speaking directly to them so I think that has been really helpful for me to just like give no fucks I'm sorry am I allowed to cuss yeah, yeah you're good <laughs> You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously it's easier said than done, but it's really true. What you post is what you attract. And, you know, with my Madonna in shoot, like I created that to attract a certain kind of person and a certain kind of client that thought it was fun and want to live in that world. You know, the other thing that I've done is I hired Christy Drago price from editor's edge to, to really like help me. She's, She's the only person I trust, honestly. And I am, you know, and I, it's not to be vain or conceited, but because I was an editor at a blog, I am really discerning when it comes to photo editing. Like, I think I'm a damn good photo editor. So in order for me to really trust somebody, it takes a lot. I was really, really lucky while I worked at Snippet and Ink that Catherine would help me with everything. She'd help me with writing. She was an excellent writer and she, Catherine is the owner. And she also helped me with photo editing, like just being harsh, like, no, Christina, this sucks. And this is why, mm-hmm. you know? And so like, I also became a really good photo editor after that, but sometimes when you're too close to your work, it's hard. So Christy, like she's, she's just amazing. And she, I'm, I know I'm difficult to work with when it comes to my brand and what I like. And, you know, she helped overhaul all the copy on my site. She didn't photo edit the images that are in, she didn't call the images, but she did select the galleries that are featured on my site Mm -hmm. on top of us doing like a really extensive, like persona Mm -hmm. thing of like really digging deep to try and find out who I am, what I'm trying to say, who my clients are, that kind of a thing. So kind of goes back to like investing in yourself. I don't know if we even like brought that up, but it does. (laughs) You know, you just got to invest in yourself. And that's another way. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. We, we've both worked with Christy and absolutely love her. So yeah, oh, uh, <laughs> big plug. Yes. <laughs> well, like Christy in the show notes, if, yes. you're, if you're curious. <laughs> and talking a little bit about investing in yourself, like you did, we talked a little bit about the Madonna shoot, how you invested and has it, how that has helped you move your business forward? Yeah. Well, I just, you know, we did that shoot April this year. So April, 2021, we started kind of planning it in January The You know, the whole reason why I even wanted to do that shoot was just because I wanted, I, I was bored, obviously. From right January. after COVID, you're like, I haven't. Not completely. I wouldn't say bored, but like, I just wanted to create something and I really needed to do something I hadn't done before. I've done a couple editorials before. The last one I did was like 2017. And I took what I think I failed on on that and was like, okay, you know what you're, you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. And so with the Madonna in shoot, it kind of just started with talking to Gabrielle Hurwitz, who's an amazing fashion stylist, bridal stylist. And, you know, I told her what I didn't want and, you know, trying to explain who I am. I'm like, I'm just different. I'm, you know, I'm not like you're every kind of photographer that's doing the same old pretty thing. You know, I, I, I know that seems risky, but I want something different. And so 
on that call, I just was like, you know, I'm just more like Madonna in. (laughs) (laughs) And it just kind of happened. And then I was like, oh my God, actually, I'm really excited about this. And it just kind of like, you know, went from there. I would say now what's happened is that it's just reiterating who I am but actually in a way that is showing people like what I'm made of, you know, because beforehand it's like, you're shooting someone else's wedding, you know, as an artist or as a photographer, but it's someone else's design, et cetera, et cetera. Like this was, everything was created and, you know, 90% of it came from my brain. You know what I mean? Of, of course, like the flowers and stuff was, the floral designer, the design of the table was Tori from Smith and James events. And you know what I mean? But there were definitely like a lot of collaborations there, but the car being at the beach for the ceremony, making sure we had an efficient, you know, the color scheme, like the pink, the silliness, you know, I mean, there were, there were cool, like surprise things, like the stenciled pancakes at Mm -hmm. breakfast. That was not my idea. And that was, (laughs) epic (laughs) yay amber moon and carrie from idea emporium but anyway (laughs) um i just think i don't know when i talk to people now because it's it's definitely on my website and i shared about it a lot on social media and then i did a huge promo piece like in conjunction with it which is really awesome but i just am attracting that that person Mm -hmm. that likes it and appreciates it you know and and I think my focus is a little bit more narrow and I'm okay with that. I'm definitely an outlier in the industry and I'm more of a edgier, edgier person. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it, it, there's something to be said about knowing who you are and speaking your truth and attracting couples that align with that versus being the same fluff that everybody Mm -hmm. else is. Like you said, you don't want to be a jack of all trades. You want to be narrow into what you want. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure anyone can relate though. When you get the right kind of client that just trusts you and gets you and just lets you go. I mean, I create the best images when I have those kind of clients, Mm -hmm. you know, the ones that are like, we love you. So like, do it. I trust you just go, you know, those, those are like the best weddings ever. You know what I mean? It's just, it doesn't, I don't care where it is. I don't care. You know what I mean? I just love those kind of people. Absolutely. And I think at the end of the day, it's shifting your mindset from I need to book weddings, like I need clients to I need the right clients mm-hmm. and those 10 people. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. not, you're not trying to book every bride that just got engaged, right? Yeah. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and I think I think that as as I get older and as I do this more often and you know, just ramping things up, I'm I'm much more confident to say no when I know it doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? Like I definitely listen to my gut, but it also is just like, well, I just don't think that's going to work. You know what I mean? Like we would have to do this. Like I can't, I, I, I just can't work with folks that have run unrealistic expectations of what I'm doing or try to control what I'm doing. Cause then it takes my joy away. And then I don't do a good job for them, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Christina, for chatting all about developing your true style and artistic voice. If it's all right, we'd love to hop into just a few minutes of fast facts for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, and so I know this answer is <laughs> going to be a long one or going to be a list, but what do you shoot with? A lot. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I know it's going to be a list. <laughs> um, I mean, film wise, my main workhorse is a, is a Hasselblad H5X. And then I have a couple H2s that I don't really use as much because the true focus on my H5X is amazing. I also have a Hasselblad 500CM. I have whole guys. I have this really cool Olympus point and shoot that's been really fun lately. And then digital, I just, I have Canon, but I, I'm, I don't know where I'm at with that. I need to <laughs> kind of invest in something else. Maybe. Are you on like the old Canon's like the system, like the Mark three, the Mark four? I have the R5. I hate the Mark III. I think the color is awful. Honestly, I just, I hate it so much, but I do, I like the Mark IV. The R5, have you guys used it? I've had seconds to use it. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a learning curve, but I just, I just don't know. I just, I, I think my gut right now is I want to test out the Sony Alpha Mm. cameras Mm -hmm. and see where that is. But I don't know. I mean, I love shooting film the most, of course. I think it's hard when, you know, I don't know if you've bought film lately, but I just like to <laughs> yeah. go buy some. Black and white 120 went from $5.99 a roll to a $10.99 a roll. Yeah. You know, it's, so, yeah, it's <laughs> getting crazy. It's so crazy. So I just hope that that doesn't stay it yeah. makes me really sad because I don't, I don't get as excited when I shoot digital as much as I do right. when I shoot film. Mm-hmm. How many roles on average are you shooting at a wedding? Good question. It depends on the wedding. It depends on the details. It depends on how many days, but a big production high-end wedding it could be anywhere from like 80 to a couple hundred between me and a second shoot it just depends it really yeah it all depends on the day I definitely I I shoot a lot more film than most people would think I definitely like if it's a small wedding even a city hall wedding where I do those so often like three hour things Mm -hmm. I'll shoot 20 rolls you know so I like to shoot a lot love it love love it so what is your favorite post-wedding snack (laughs) <laughs> I a turkey stick love it <laughs> I was gonna say like in the city it's probably not the same as you know we have long freeway drives and end up at fast food but in the city oh, no I mean you get, oh in and out sure like yeah. a double double animal style protein style I know that sounds so gross everyone's like oh. gross, the turkey stick well and you're kind of doing like a low carb diet like yeah that's probably that's- what I go to I just need protein <laughs> for sure for sure <laughs> it's a glass of wine <laughs> and a, and a turkey stick yeah. just like yeah, turkey you on your couch and listen. <laughs> dogs are like are you gonna share <laughs> yeah, I know love it do you have a music or a pump-up jam that really gets you in the creative headspace before a wedding or are you a silence person <laughs> I I like to no I music wise I don't really listen to anything usually particular before a wedding but I always arrive to a wedding really really early I love to get there and have a nice breakfast or lunch before I shoot and just kind of chill my head and not freak out about traffic or 
anything like that, you know, I mean, yeah. you guys kind of know driving from SAC to Napa and if it's a race day or, you know, right. Battle <laughs> Rock, you never know what kind of traffic you're going to run into. So I need that. I definitely need, I need that. Love it. Time. What is your favorite thing to do outside of photography? I mean, really it's hanging out with my dogs, my three great Danes. Like we just, we live in the city. It's our life. And we luckily there's so many amazing off leash dog things to do in San Francisco. Like we go to the beach all the time. It's kind of my grounding zone too, is the beach. It's my favorite place. So most of my life is spent with my dogs (laughs) and then other, you know, otherwise when I, when, when life happens and you see your friends, that's great. But you know, when you have three big giants, it's, you know, you can't they rule your world. Yes. <laughs> right. You can't just like yeah. hand them to a friend and be like, Hey, can you take all these? And you're like, a lot of people don't even know how to deal with them. <laughs> so. I just think of friends when Phoebe has like the triplets and she's like, can you guys watch three puppies? Just kidding. It's three babies. Like, no one wants to watch three babies. <laughs> well, so many people are like, Oh yeah, I want to hire somebody to like watch the dogs and like, Oh, a big dog. Oh no. And you have three like how do you do it you know and now they're all sleeping on the couch or they were like up drinking water so <laughs> been, been, they've been so crazy this whole time <laughs> all right so what is the best education you've learned from for your business or for your art best education mm-hmm. oh my Book, god podcast workshop i know i've had School. a lot <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, I, oh, I, I'm really into self-help. I love it. I just, I'm like, if I'm, I, I don't read books. I listen to audio. Like that's the only thing I can intake. I think investing in yourself is important. I have hired an intuitive business coach earlier this year. I hired an Enneagram coach and it was a 12 week intensive program, like really diving in deep about manifesting what I want, but also knowing my Enneagram number and like how it serves me. And when I'm like healthy and when I'm making unhealthy decisions and kind of pulling out of that, I mean, that was huge. One of my favorite books is the big leap. Excellent book. Like it changed my life honestly listening I didn't read it I listened to it yeah I mean I think for now like those are my huge huge things like I've only been to a couple workshops in my lifetime I mean like I said I went to Jose's workshop in 2010 I don't even think he does workshops anymore but it, that was really invaluable but I didn't have any expectations I think hiring somebody to like edit and pull your work would by far help you mm-hmm. 100% you know you're too close to your work you can't do it yourself you right. know what I mean you might be attached to a certain image because you did something technically correct but it wasn't like a beautiful photo <laughs> you know <laughs> Like, yeah, I nailed the exposure, but then the photo has like no feeling to it. You know what I mean? You need somebody to tell you that, you know, mm-hmm. definitely. And I know we talked about the big leap, but what is one daring leap you've taken in your life? One, just one <laughs> <laughs> or a few, you can tell, you can say more. I gosh, everything. 
everything moving to San Francisco you know like think about the story of the the guy that I like went to go and do an interview with and he didn't know it was an interview (laughs) 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 didn't hire me either that's such a funny story I yeah it's I I feel like my whole career is a big risk you know everything I've done i it's hard to just pinpoint one. You don't want to, you don't like staying comfortable. You like kind of pushing the limit all the time. No, I really like, I definitely really like um, living on the edge. So much fun. It's so much more fun and stressful that way. (laughs) You know, you're growing. That's how you grow. You don't want to get stuck and we stagnant. All, we all learned that last year, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty boring to stay in the same place. <laughs> no more playing safe. <laughs> yes. What is one thing you feel like you're great at in your business? What am I great at in my business? Oh, I, th- I think I'm a great photo editor. Are we just one thing? You can share multiple. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think that I'm a great photo editor. I think that I'm a good photographer. I think that I have a really great way of talking with clients and, you know, I, I, I have a great way of just being real with people. And I like that about me. Love it. Love it. So where can our listeners find you? Instagram website, Christina McNeil. That's it. ChristinaMcNeil.com or at Christina McNeil with two L's. If you can't remember that, you can also go to ChristinaChristina.com and it'll redirect. Love that. <laughs> ChristinaChristina.com? Yeah. I bought that years ago because I just felt like people always don't spell my last name right. It's I don't think it's hard, but they forget the second L or they mix the I and the E or the E, you know what I mean? So Christina, Christina. I don't know why I wasn't smart enough to get Christina, Christina on Instagram, but I, I didn't do that. I should have. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in closing, what is one thing you want to dare our listeners to do after they hear your episode? Take a big risk. Yeah. Hire Christy. <laughs> we're looking at her again so we're kind of like take a big risk hire christy invest in yourself big time big time yeah well thanks so much for sharing all about leaning into your true self yeah thanks for having me this was fun Today's chat with Christina was a great refresher that, you know, if you're not taking risks in your business, you're really just not growing and evolving and leaning into your own true artistic style. I completely agree. And I absolutely loved her takeaway when it even comes to social media is talk to your 10 clients. You do not need to appease every single follower on Instagram, every single person you are literally just talking to those 10 people. And I think that's going to help out me. And I think it'll help help out a lot of you if you have problems writing or sharing on any type of social platform. Yes. Christina's history and just background from art school to the blog to just running such a successful wedding photography business is just so inspiring and really is just proof that this works, right? Mm -hmm. Taking risks in your business is worth it Mm -hmm. and not just giving into what the industry says is the approved shot list or the approved vibe or the approved aesthetic. There's so much to be said about finding out who you are as an artist and really living that out Mm -hmm. through your work. Yes. I, I definitely, 
definitely think, you know, being in your lane, staying in your lane and finding your unique voice, whatever makes that popular. And if you put that out into the universe and show it off, you're going to get those right clients. Yeah. So we hope you enjoyed today's episode of Dare to Develop and we'll catch you next time. Thanks so much for joining us today on Dare to Develop. We'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a review if you love today's episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at daretodevelopodcast.com and follow along on IG at Dare to Develop. Catch us next week for more fun as we hear from creatives who have dared greatly in their businesses and develop community along the way.